Chapter Forty Two of Snarleyow by Frederick Marriott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. In which is shown the imprudence of sleeping in the open air, even in a summer's night. The young Frau was not permitted to remain more than two days at her anchorage. On the third morning, Mr. Van Slyperken's signal was made to prepare to weigh. He immediately answered it, and giving his orders to Short, hastened as fast as he could up to the syndic's house to inform Ramsay, stating that he must immediately return on board again, and that the letters must be sent to him. Ramsay perceived the necessity of this, and consented. On his return to the boat, Mr. Vanslyperken found that his signal to repair on board the frigate had been hoisted and he hastened on board to put on his uniform and obey this order. He received his dispatches from the captain of the frigate, with orders to proceed to sea immediately. Mr. Vanslyperken, under the eye of his superior officer, could not dally or delay. He hove short, hoisted his mainsail, and fired a gun as a signal for sailing anxiously looking out for Ramsay's boat with his letters, and afraid to go without them. But no boat made its appearance, and Mr. Vanslyperken was forced to heave up his anchor. Still, he did not like to make sail, and he remained a few minutes more, when he at last perceived a small boat coming off. At the same time he observed the boat coming from the frigate, and they arrived alongside the cutter about the same time, fortunately Ramsay's boat the first, and Mr. Vanslyperken had time to carry the letters down below. The commandant wishes to know why you do not proceed to sea, sir, in obedience to your orders, said the officer. I only waited for that boat to come on board, sir, replied Vanslyperken to the lieutenant. "'And pray, sir, from whom does that boat come?' inquired the officer. "'From the syndic, Mynheer Van Krauss,' replied Van Slyperken, not knowing what else to say, and thinking that the name of the syndic would be sufficient. "'And what did the boat bring off, to occasion the delay, sir?' "'A letter or two for England,' replied Van Slyperken. "'Very well, sir.' I wish you a good morning, said the lieutenant, who then went into his boat, and Van Slyperken made sail. The delay of the cutter to receive the syndic's letters was fully reported that same evening to the commandant, who, knowing that the syndic was suspected, reported the same to the authorities, and this trifling circumstance only increased the suspicions against the unfortunate Mynheer Van Krauss but we must follow the cutter and those on board of her. Smallbones had remained concealed on board, his wounds had been nearly healed, and it was now again proposed that he should, as soon as they were out at sea, make his appearance to frighten Van Slyperken, and that, immediately they arrived at Portsmouth, he should go on shore and desert from the cutter, as Mr. Van Slyperken would, of course, find out that his mother was killed, and the consequences to Smallbones must be dangerous, as he had no evidence if Vanslyperken swore that he had murdered his mother. 
but this arrangement was overthrown by events which we shall now narrate. It was on the third morning after they sailed that Van Slyperken walked the deck. There was no one but the man at the helm abaft. The weather was extremely sultry, for the cutter had run with a fair wind for the first eight and forty hours, and had then been becalmed for the last twenty-four, and had drifted to the back of the Isle of Wight, when she was not three leagues from St. Helens. The consequence was that the ebb-tide had now drifted her down very nearly opposite to that part of the island where the cave was situated, of which we have made mention. Van Slyperken heard the people talking below, and, as usual, anxious to overhear what was said, had stopped to listen. He heard the name of Smallbones repeated several times, but could not make out what was said. Anxious to know, he went down the ladder, and, instead of going into his cabin, crept softly forward on the lower deck, when he overheard Cobble, Short, and Spurry in consultation. "'We shall be in to-morrow,' said Spurry, "'if a breeze springs up, and then it will be too late. Smallbones must frighten him again to-night.' "'Yes,' replied Short. "'He shall go into his cabin at twelve o'clock. "'That will be the best way. "'But the corporal—' "'Hush, there is someone there,' said Spurry, "'who, attracted by a slight noise made by Van Slyperken's boots, "'turned short round. "'Van Slyperken retreated and gained the deck by the ladder. "'He had hardly been up when he observed a face at the hatchway, who was evidently looking to ascertain if he was on deck. These few words overheard satisfied Van Slyperken that Smallbones was alive and on board the cutter, and he perceived how he had been played with. His rage was excessive, but he did not know how to act. If Smallbones was alive, and that he appeared to be, he must have escaped from his mother and, of course, the ship's company must know that his life had been attempted. That he did not care much about. He had not done the deed. But how the lad could have come on board? Did he not see him lying dead? It was very strange, and the life of the boy must be charmed. At all events it was a mystery which Mr. Van Slyperken could not solve. At first he thought that he would allow Smallbones to come into the cabin and get a loaded pistol ready for him. The words, but the corporal, which were cut short, proved to him that the corporal was no party to the affair, yet it was strange that the ship's company could have concealed the lad without the corporal's knowledge. Vanslyperken walked and walked and thought and thought. At last he resolved to go down into his cabin, pretend to go to sleep, lock his door, which was not his custom, and see if they would attempt to come in. He did so. The corporal was dismissed, and at twelve o'clock his door was tried and tried again. But being fast, the party retreated. Vanslyperken waited till two bells to ascertain if any more attempts would be made, but none were so he rose from his bed, where he had thrown himself with his clothes on, and opening the door softly, crept upon deck. The night was very warm, 
but there was a light and increasing breeze, and the cutter was standing in and close to the shore to make a long board upon the next tack. Vanslyperken passed the man at the helm and walked aft to the taffrail. He stood up on the choke to ascertain what way she was making through the water, and he was meditating upon the best method of proceeding. Had he known where Smallbone's hammock was hung, he would have gone down with the view of ascertaining the fact. But with a crew so evidently opposed to him, he could not see how even the ascertaining that Smallbones was on board would be productive of any good consequences. The more Vanslyperken thought, the more he was puzzled. The fact is that he was between the horns of a dilemma. But the devil, who always helps his favorites, came to the aid of Mr. Vanslyperken. The small boat was, as usual, hoisted up astern, and Mr. Vanslyperken's eyes were accidentally cast upon it. He perceived a black mass lying on the thwarts, and he examined it more closely. He heard snoring. It was one of the ship's company sleeping there against orders. He leant over the taffrail, and putting aside the greatcoat which covered the party, he looked attentively on the face. There was no doubt it was Smallbones himself. From a knowledge of the premises, Vanslyperken knew at once that the lad was in his power. The boat, after being hauled up with tackles, was hung by a single rope at each davit. It was very broad in proportion to its length, and was secured from motion by a single gripe, which confined it in its place, bowsing it close to the stern of the cutter, and preventing it from turning over bottom up, which, upon the least weight upon one gunwale or the other, would inevitably be the case. Smallbones was lying close to the gunwale next to the stern of the cutter. By letting go the gripe, therefore, the boat would immediately turn bottom up, and Smallbones would be dropped into the sea. Van Slyperken carefully examined the fastenings of the gripe, found that they were to be cast off by one movement, and that his success was certain, but still he was cautious. The man at the helm must hear the boat go over. He might hear Smallbones cry for assistance. So Vanslyperken went forward to the man at the helm, and desired him to go down and to order Corporal Van Spitter to mix a glass of brandy and water, and send it up by him, and that he would steer the vessel till he came up again. The man went down to execute the order, and Van Slyperken steered the cutter for half a minute, during which he looked forward to ascertain if any one was moving. All was safe, the watch was all asleep forward, and Van Slyperken, leaving the cutter to steer itself, hastened aft, cast off the gripe, the boat as he calculated immediately turning over, and the sleeping smallbones fell into the sea. Van Slyperken hastened back to the helm and put the cutter's head right. He heard the cry of smallbones, but it was not loud, for the cutter had already left him astern, and it was fainter and fainter, and at last it was heard no more, and that one of the watch had been disturbed. "'If ever you haunt me again,' muttered Van Slyperken, "'may I be hanged.' 
we particularly call the reader's attention to these words of Mr. Vanslyperken. The man returned with the brandy and water with which Vanslyperken drank Bon Voyage to poor Smallbones. He then ordered the cutter to be put about, and as soon as she was round he went down into his cabin and turned in with greater satisfaction than he had for a long time. "'We shall have got rid of him at last, my poor dog,' said he, patting Snarleyow's head. "'Your enemy is gone for ever.' And Mr. Vanslyperken slept soundly, because, although he had committed a murder, there was no chance of his being found out. We soon get accustomed to crime. Before, he started at the idea of murder. Now, all that he cared for was detection. Good night to you, Mr. Van Slyperken. End of chapter 42 Recording by Arnold Banner, Thurmond, North Carolina